0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanyan. Today we're coming to the last of the Beatitudes, blessed in persecution. It's not persecution that makes you strong. It's the faith you use in the persecution that makes you strong. If persecution made us strong, we would all be strong, but many fall by the wayside. I wanna be one that's standing when it's all over, rejoicing in the things of God. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian
1: has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian.
0: Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian, glad to have you. Today is our last uh, lesson. We've had six lessons up until now. Today is number seven on the Beatitudes, those found in Matthew chapter five, where Jesus taught and started the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. Let me just quickly lay out for you what they are. They are in chronological order. The very first one, blessed are the poor in spirit, literally from the Greek says, blessed are the destitute in spirit. That's what it says. Blessed are those who are destitute in spirit. What does that mean? Well, that's the uh, unbeliever. They're the ones that in their spirit are not born again, but it goes on to say, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why are they blessed? It's because Jesus has done the work. There's a blessing for a sinner. You don't have to work to get to heaven. You have to follow some religion to the T to know that you're gonna go to heaven or not even assured you're gonna go to heaven. Salvation is a free gift. Then the second one is after that, blessed are those who mourn. Now that you're born again, you're gonna mourn like the world, have the same problems as the world. But now guess what? You shall be comforted. The world doesn't have a comforter, but we do. Blessed are the meek or the teachable for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The next step is, again, be teachable, but after that, now hunger and thirst for righteousness, and that is to live a sanctified, overcoming life in front of the world, for it says they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, now gain a love for other people, for they shall receive mercy, understanding that what you sow, you're going to reap. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall perceive God. In other words, purity of heart doesn't mean you're going to heaven. No, that was assured when you got born again, but purity of heart, walking in fellowship with God, freedom from sin in your life means you're going to understand God. You're going to perceive him then the last one we took up was blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the sons of God. A peacemaker is a witness. Those who witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter five, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation that is making peace between men and God through salvation and faith in Jesus Christ. Notice again, they shall be called the sons of God. Witnessing doesn't make you a child of God, but it sure lets it be known that you're a child of God. Witnessing is telling the world, I trust truly am what I say I am, a son of God. And today we're gonna to talk about verses 10 through 12, blessed in persecution. What does the word of God have to say about it? Verses 10 through 12, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others shall revile you, persecute you, say all manner of evil or all kinds of evil against you falsely. For my sake, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We're going to take up today seven scriptures on handling adversity, and this is what happens to those that are mature in the Lord. Now, honestly, this doesn't mean that people aren't going to make fun of you as a Christian earlier in your Christian life, but now you have the power to come against it. And this persecution is not just the the usual things of life. And that has to do with you, you know, that, uh, you know, somebody turned against you, somebody said something bad about you in church, and people don't necessarily like you. No, this is where the world literally comes against you, because now you become a real threat to them. What a real threat is in this world is not just a Christian, but a disciple. A disciple becomes a threat. A Christian, I mean, even though Satan hates the fact that you get born again, if he can stifle you from growing up, because it's grown-up Christians that win so much of the world, make a stand in front of the world, and cause opposition to Satan, and put up a real wall of hindrance to him. This is why he comes against them. But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But it doesn't mean Satan will not try to come against it. He will. So this verse, literally the last closing verses, verses 10, 11, and 12 are describing the fact that as a Christian, the more mature you get, understand that there's going to come greater persecution, but you have the power to handle it Jesus said, they persecuted me. They're gonna persecute you, but be of good cheer. Why? Because now you have the ability to stand up against him. So let's take up these seven scriptures on handling adversity, and again, I want you to understand as you're you're coming into this, the whole purpose of my ministry is to help raise up disciples, strong Christians. Isaiah 33, 6, one of my favorite verses says that wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your time. What the world needs today is not just more Christians, but stable Christians, and that's what we're dealing with in verses 10 through 12. A stable Christian knows how to stand up against opposition, depend on the Holy Spirit, depend on the word of God inside of them, that in the time of testing, these things come to the surface and become your shield, your buckler, become the defense of Ephesians chapter six, talking about the weapons of our warfare. And every one of those weapons are based around the word of God. So let's take a look at Psalm 37 and take a look at verses 12 through 15. And here we're going to take up seven scriptures again on handling adversity. This is the first of them. It says in verse 12 of Psalm 37, the wicked, plots against the just and gnashes on him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bows to cast down the poor and needy and to slay the one of the upright life. But their sword will enter into their own hearts and their bows will be broken. I love these verses of scripture where it says, while you're looking at this, it looks like you're about to be taken and all of a sudden they fall into their own traps. We find this throughout the word of God is when enemies came against God's people that oftentimes it looks like in the beginning, they're winning. It looks like in the beginning, they're going to have a great victory over the things of God. Old Testament and new, but eventually they fall apart. Do you realize how many wicked nations have risen up, been destroyed and today are hardly even known about today? And their whole purpose was to do away with Israel, to do away with the things of God and to do away with God's name in this earth. And guess what? Every one of them ended up exactly the same. So it is with this coming time we're living in today. We see nations rising up, joining together, and entering into the time period here soon to come called the tribulation. The church will be taken out just before that begins, but the whole world is heading in that direction, and it seems like what they're thinking was, this time I know other nations have been destroyed throughout history that don't exist anymore, but you know what? With the whole world coming together, we can overthrow God with Satan backing us and all the demons of hell backing us. We can do this. And guess what's going to happen? Same thing's going to happen to the entire kingdoms of this world that one day they'll be destroyed by the coming of Jesus Christ and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ. And he, Jesus Christ, shall reign forever and forever. I'm here to tell you when God put Adam and Eve in this earth and they turned it over to Satan. Satan realized it then, but he's been fighting it ever since. God still owns this earth. Satan is just leasing it in the meantime, but his lease is going to come due, and God is not going to renew it. And so we have that coming up soon. So it's great to live in the end times today, but not a time to fall apart. Look at the wickedness around us. What are we going to do? Hide ourselves in our home. No, we stand up to it understanding this is the greatest time for evangelism the world has ever seen. So character is not developed in good times. Character is developed in bad times. Character is developed by looking at adversity through God's eyes. This is why you must be armed with scripture and scriptures of deliverance, anointed by the Holy Spirit and boldness. Adversity does not make us strong. I want to say that again. Adversity does not make you strong, but using your faith during adversity is what makes you strong. If adversity made us strong, then every Christian would be strong because we all come through times of adversity. The second verse I want you to look at is Luke chapter 21 and it's verses 11 through 13. Here it says, "Great earthquakes shall be in different places." We're living in that time right now. Earthquakes are increasing, storms are increasing, our hurricanes are increasing. These things are going, and and the the world around us is blaming it on. Global warming. It's not that at all. It simply comes down, we are living in the end times, and every one of these things are a birth pang closer to the coming of the millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ. Luke 21 11 says again, great earthquakes shall be in different places, famines, pestilences, fearful sights, and great signs shall come from heaven. But before all this, they shall lay their hands on you persecute you, deliver you up into synagogues and into prisons being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, but it shall turn for a testimony. Hallelujah. It's always how it happens. In the end, the, what they're trying to put down rises up and lasts forever, but the ones that put them down are unknown today. It simply comes back to it again over and over again. Unless the Bible even names the people bringing adversity toward God's people, we don't even know who they are, but God's people continue to survive because God is eternal. His kingdom is eternal. His word is eternal. The Holy Spirit is eternal. And guess what? You are eternal too, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Adversity is simply said here in this verse of scripture will increase before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But where sin and adversity abounds, grace will much more abound. God doesn't promise in every case to keep us from adversity, but he promised it will turn to our blessing and will turn to our testimony after a while. I like to think of it this way. It happened throughout the word of God. The enemy that's fighting against you will actually walk over here on this side and start fighting with you. God's love will keep you. And the beautiful thing is, is you cannot lose his love. His love is guaranteed forever. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 37. Here it says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? It's really a rhetorical question. There's no one can separate us from it. And then it goes on to describe circumstances of life and then finally persecution for the sake of Jesus Christ. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. How about distress? No. How about personal persecution from the world? No. How about famine? No. How about nakedness? No clothing? No peril where we're totally frozen, it seems like, with fear sometimes of what's going to happen, it says, no, that can't, or sword, which is war. Verse 36, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. Now, this doesn't say we are killed all day long. It says for your sake we are seen because it goes on to say we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Are you a sheep for the slaughter? No, it says you're accounted as a sheep for the slaughter. Who looks at you and accounts you as a, a sheep for the slaughter and all day long looks at you like you're so easy to kill? It's Satan and his followers. They think you're so weak. Oh, you're one of those weakling Christians. Christians and they don't understand something in myself. I am weak, but in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the word of God, I can do all things through Christ. I'm not strong in me. I'm strong in Christ. Verse 37, no, but in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I can't read that verse of scripture without things. says we're accounted as a sheep for the slaughter. Those old cartoons where the where the wolf was over the top of the hill, looking down there at the sheep, but he didn't see sheep. What he saw was lamb chops roasting on an open fire and thought, man, those are so easy. Those They're gonna be so easy. And he slips over to get them, but he forgot something. He meets Sheepdog and Sheepdog meets him just like that and beats the you know what out of him. And what happens after that is he limps away. Why? Because he's been beaten so bad. Well, I want you to understand every time Satan comes against me and I simply stand up in the name of Jesus, Satan meets Sheepdog Jesus and gets beaten up every single time has a limp back. Why? Because he thinks I'm a sheep for the slaughter, accounts me as a sheep for the slaughter, and thinks because he's Satan, he's stronger than weak little Christians. In Jesus Christ, I can do all things through him who who gave himself for me and who loves me. We'll see you right after that break, right after halftime, I'll be back to present the rest of this.
1: In Psalm 11, we are warned, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Believers who wish to grow in Christ must understand the foundation of doctrines on which our faith is built. Doctrines are not difficult to understand, but they often come disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, even when the definitions are simple. In 32 audio lessons, Bobby Indian simplifies these doctrines that bring strength and stability to a believer's foundation. Topics include redemption, predestination, sanctification, unlimited atonement, the flesh, resurrection bodies, baptism, the infilling of the spirit and laying on of hands. This flash drive can be used with computers, MP3 players, smartphones and tablets, as well as car stereos equipped with USB connection. To order foundations, go to BobYandian.com The Beatitudes are the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. They are divided into two sections, being hearers and being doers of God's Word. In this seven-lesson series titled Grace for Growth, Bob Yandian breaks down the Beatitudes and explains the steps to spiritual maturity. Grace for Growth is available as a seven-CD series for thirty dollars or as an mp3 download for $15. To order, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on partnership.
0: Just as we ended the first half of the broadcast, we were taking up seven scriptures, dealing with the fact that persecution will come against us, but God has a plan in it. Let me just say this, persecution again does not make you strong. We often say, well, persecution is what makes you strong. Well, listen, if persecution made me strong, then every Christian would be strong. No, it's not the persecution that makes us strong. It's the faith we use in the persecution that makes us strong because persecution is designed to eliminate us and to knock many of us out. And sadly, in many cases, it works. And all of a sudden, either a Christian, you know, who may be strong normally in the Lord, suddenly becomes fearful, backs off. And this is what Satan wants. But when we stand up for the things of God, guess who backs us? It's the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, the word of God. All these things are behind us to back us up and any one of them by themselves could take care of of Satan, but we have been given all three. So again, it's not persecution that makes us strong. It is the faith we use in the persecution, the weapons that we use. Think about this, all right? Does God create persecution? The answer is no. You say, well, he created Satan. No, he created Lucifer. Lucifer made the choice to become Satan and evil was found in him. So God never creates evil. But God gives the answer to evil because he knows it's coming. So did God create evil? No. Did God create the enemies of your life? The answer is no. Satan and the world system, which is under Satan, creates the things that come against us. In other words, it's like saying, well, we're going to send our military over to some place like Afghanistan and all these places around the world and fight the enemies over there called communism or called just those who want to persecute false religion that wants to enslave them. But Did God create that? The answer is no. But what God does is is like the military, he trains to come against them. Why? Because they're out there. But the point of it is, is how can our military go out there against them with any kind of confidence at all? They're going to come back. The answer is our weapons are superior and our training is superior. So that what we do is we go over there with superior weapons, kill a lot of guys and come back home. What is what I'm telling you? I don't care what weapons say. Satan has, every one of them are false weapons. They simply are just appearances. God has given us true weapons, which are greater. I mean, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, all found in Ephesians chapter six. And what it's simply saying is these things are designed to come against Satan. But listen, God trains us in the word to come against it, because guess what? It's out there. We can't ignore all these things, stick our head in the sand and say, well, I'm just going to stay home. Listen, weapons were given to fight with, not to hang on a wall and look at. We study the weapons, but do we put it on? It didn't say study the weapons. It said, put them on. It says, take the garment, put it on. Take the helmet, take it put it on, pick up the shield, pull out the sword. We are to practice with those things. And then when they come against the things of Satan, understand it. We have superior training, a superior uh, commanding officer, Jesus Christ, and superior weapons. So we train in that. But listen, training doesn't make you strong. It tells you what to do, but what their strength comes when you go to battle and come back and realize something. I did. I defeated an army. I defeated those military out there. And just like a man coming back from overseas and comes back talking about the fact that he took care of the enemy and there's a pride on him and we swell up with pride as these men go out to battle for us, but every Christian needs to be prepared for battle because Satan comes against us. So persecution will come against us like the giants that came against the Old Testament saints and those coming across the desert into the land of Canaan. Like the two Old Testament spies, we need to see the giants next to God, not us next to the giants. The 10 that came back with an evil report compared themselves to the giants. You compare yourself to the enemies and you look like grasshoppers compared to them. But when you look at the enemies compared to our God, they look like grasshoppers compared to him. So the two Old Testament spies, we need to see the giants next to God. The trials of life are like bread to us and we will take the land. Our victory has already been promised to us. The next verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse verses 8 and 9. Paul wrote this, and notice he didn't say we will be or we have been. He said, present tense, we are troubled on every side, but notice this, not distressed. I can't think of a time in my life when there wasn't some kind of trouble out there, but I don't get distressed over it. Even the victories are momentary. I can count on it. Another attack is going to come. If there's anything I could say about Satan is he is persistent. He doesn't give up. I mean, I have to admire him in that case, and no matter how many times he gets beaten up. He keeps coming back. It goes on to say, we're perplexed. There's times I don't know what to do, but never in despair. I've been persecuted, but not forsaken, even cast down, but not destroyed. It's not the fact that I have been cast down. It's happened time after time. It's the fact that afterwards I get right back up. Looking at adversity through the Word of God removes confusion, fear, despair, and distress. It also lets us know that we never go through adversity alone, even though we're taken by surprise, we're never forsaken, and we cannot be destroyed. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 with me for just a moment that same chapter and take a look beginning in verse 17 and 18 for our light affliction which is but for a moment here's how we are to look at satan he looks at us like easily destroyed we need to look at him as easily destroyed i mean it's like the giant looking at David saying I can take you you're just nothing david looked at the giant and said I can take you you're nothing in other words we don't look at the size we don't look at the strength we look at the fact that we are already on the winning side and you're not coming against me Goliath you're not coming against me Satan, you're coming against the armies of the living God. For our light affliction, notice this, look at this problem you're going through as a light affliction, which is but for a moment, but I've been going through it for five years. Compare that to eternity. Five years on this earth going through a problem, a lawsuit or something like that is nothing compared to eternity. So compare your problems to the eternal time you're going to be with God. It says that those problems now work for us. What does that mean? That actually the things working against us can turn around and work for us. And the thing that was meant to destroy me now becomes a stepping stone to greater things on the other side. It works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Every time I come through a battle, God just racks up another reward for me in heaven to be given to me at the judgment seat or the reward seat of Christ. While we look not at the things which are seen, here's how we come through it victoriously. Quit looking at the object we're looking at and look behind it and understand that the things which are not seen, that is the power of God on the other side, is what's working for me. I'm standing on this side of the enemy and right behind the enemy, my armies are. It's like the time when, you know, that the servant of Elisha, Elisha said, uh, we're gonna win this battle. And he came back out and said, no, sir, I've been out there and counted them. You know how many troops there are against? He said, go back and take a second, look again. This time the man went out, looked out there. And this time he saw, oh yeah, the troops were still out there. It was just Elisha and himself, but behind those armies that were coming against him was a greater army. And he saw chariots and horsemen and those from heaven standing behind. And so it simply comes back to this, the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are unseen seen in our realm, and that is the the, uh, legions of heaven, Jesus Christ, the angels that fight for us, and all that, plus the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, the fact that I'm blood washed, comes back to this. Compare your problems to being in heaven for one day. When you get to heaven in one day, what's going to happen? Wow. Your problem will be light compared to the weight of rewards that you have received. Your problems are short in duration compared to eternity with God when you love the Lord, you know his calling, you trust in his word, your problems will work for you and not against you. Your problems may be visible, but they're still temporary. Focus on the unseen and the eternal, God's presence, his promises, and those things from eternity. And like a camera, focus from the visible to the invisible to the unseen. There was a show on one night on channel 6 here in Tulsa it was a news broadcast of something that happened in the, in, uh, the McAllister, which is the big prison, the federal prison here in Oklahoma. And there was a riot that went on. And the, the, the news article started out this way. All they showed was a chain link fence and it was blowing in the wind a little bit. And they showed and down at the bottom, you could see, you know, some, some grass and some weeds and stuff down there. And that's all you saw. And I thought, what a weird thing. How are you starting this thing out that way? And they started talking about a riot. I thought, what does a chain link fence have to do with that? And suddenly they refocused the camera. And when they did, the chain link fence slowly disappeared and the prison appeared behind it you couldn't focus on the on the fence and and see the prison and you couldn't focus on the prison and see the fence. What it was simply saying there, I thought of the verse of scripture, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen, we just need to refocus our camera, look past these natural things and understand we have armies behind us that may not be seen at the moment, but this is what God is saying. James chapter 1 emphasizes this in verses two through four. My brothers, Count it all joy when you fall into different temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. So focus on the unseen. Focus on the promises of God. Focus on a victory that you have not seen yet because it's guaranteed in the word of God and what the word of God guarantees, Satan cannot overthrow. There are blessings that come in life when you stand in faith and have joy in the midst of persecution. Patience is produced, which is the key to maturity and the key to stability. Patience is... Maturity and stability is the guarantee of greater blessings and prosperity in life, the natural things and spiritual things of life. Finally, the last verse is James chapter one and verse 12. Blessed is the one that endures temptation. In other words, I may be standing at the end and have a, you know, I might have a bloody eye over here and I might have, you know, a, a bruise over here from being hit so many times because it goes on to say those that endure temptation. For when he is tried, he will receive the crown of life which the lord has promised to all those who love him when you obey god in troubles you will come through do you understand that i'm going to say that again when you obey god in the midst of troubles you will come through there are not only blessings in life but also blessings in eternity and this promises us right here a crown of life what am i simply saying the Again, the Beatitudes are progressive, but the last one came down to this. Blessed are those that are tried and blessed are those who have problems and things that come against them. It's simply saying, once you get and become mature in the things of God, you can count on it. The more mature you get, the the amount of persecution is going to increase. But here's what also increases. Our strength increases, our victories increase. And every time we come through one, more and more eternal rewards are laid up for us in heaven. I don't wanna just squeak by and make it into heaven. A lady used to stand up in our church during testimony times and say this, pray for me, I can just make it into heaven. And I used to hear that and think, huh, what's that mean? And now that I'm older, I think I'm not going to just make it into heaven. I don't want to squeak through the door and go, whoo made it into heaven. My object in life is not to go to heaven. My object in life is to go to heaven with great rewards, or as Peter said in Second Peter chapter 1, that I may have a grand entrance, a great entrance into the everlasting kingdom. I want to enter in with gold, silver, and precious stones, dragging wagon loads of those with me for the simple thing, the problems of life, I trusted in God, his power, his spirit, and his word brought me through every single time. And then I'll stand in heaven going, you know what? It was worth it to actually see Satan defeated and through my life, other people came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. See you next time.
1: You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.